right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back inside the Mid-American Bandwagon, episode four here. We appreciate you guys joining us once again this week. I'm Zach Follador, joined by my co-host, as always, Sam Dillman. Sam, how are you doing today? Oh, it's a great day to be alive. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just happy on this Thursday afternoon. I don't know why. I'm just feeling good. I agree with you. I do too. And I think a part of it is probably the fact that, you know, got the NBA basketball coming back tonight. The MLB has restarted the NHL. I'm not a big hockey guy, but the NHL is kicking off again this weekend. And so it seems like sports are slowly starting to come back to the forefront. I'm really looking forward to watching the Lakers and Clippers tonight. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here in the next couple of weeks with, uh, with football. Hopefully football is right around the corner. But I think, I think we got to, even though foot, or even though these sports are coming back, we've got some depressing news concerning the Mac to talk about. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And that's a great uh, transition there, Sam. So thank you for that. And yeah, guys, uh, like Sam just said, there, there was, has been some news here over the last couple of days that does affect the upcoming Mac football season. You know, it seems like a lot of these conferences are slowly over the last, you know, week or two starting to slowly announce that they're going to be going uh, conference only for the 2020 season. So last week we talked a little bit about how uh, the Big Ten uh, opted to do that. And the ACC just announced yesterday that they're going to be doing the same thing and going to a conference only plus one model. So it's interesting. Each team is going to play 11 games in the ACC and then they're going to have one non-conference game. So it's interesting because first off, let's talk about how this affects current MAC schedules. So there were four games between the MAC and the ACC that were scheduled this year. Uh, you had uh, Miami, the Red Hawks were traveling to uh, Pitt to open the season on September 5th. Ohio was taking on Boston College on September 12th. Akron was traveling down to Clemson on the 19th. And then Western Michigan was actually going to get a home game against Syracuse on September 26th. That one's tough on a couple different levels for the, the Broncos. Obviously, you're, you're losing a quality game, but also you had them coming to Kalamazoo to take on the Broncos. So that's a tough one for Western Michigan. So what are your initial thoughts on this, Sam? I know, it's, you know it seems like we've been getting a lot of negative news lately when it comes to scheduling and football yeah. season, and this is just something else to add to the list. But what are your initial reactions to this announcement? Yeah, I mean, I what 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 can we say other than disappointing? We we love these buy games for several reasons. Not to mention, it's it's Mac schools playing the higher up. It's the Power Five, whether it's coming to the Western Michigan or us going to the Power Five school. It's a big games for the Mac that we're just going to miss out. Not only for the kind of impact that there might be an upset, but for the fact that these schools are probably losing money in the deal as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, it's so tough. There's so many moving pieces here. I can understand why these conferences are going conference only. You know, then you can control testing and everybody's, you know, has the same set of, of guidelines that they're using. What I don't understand in, in this particular situation with the ACC and something that actually kind of miffs me or annoys me a little bit about this is the fact that they're, they're giving Notre Dame a full conference schedule this year of ACC teams. And they're also giving Notre Dame the opportunity to compete for the ACC championship this year when they're not even a member of the conference for football. I, I can't understand that. I know the ACC presidents uh, voted on it. I just, I don't see any advantage to the ACC there doing that. I know you're a little bit closer to, to South Bend than I am, Sam. What, I mean, has there been any talk in Indiana, any like reactions from Notre Dame fans about their, you know, thoughts on doing the full-time ACC thing this year? Oh, uh, well, I, I, I could say I have a closer relationship with Notre Dame, most considering my brother just graduated from Notre Dame. So, I mean, he's excited. I think the only, the, the, the way they did it is to include Notre Dame because without, like, without, because if you didn't have Notre Dame in there, who would they be playing? Would they be right. playing everybody in the independents? And I think there's only like eight teams in the independents. So, I mean, and it only – it ramps up the competition level when you think of uh, like college football. Everybody talked about how Clemson had such an easy schedule. Now we get Clemson versus Notre Dame. We get North yeah. Carolina versus Notre Dame. So, 
I think I think it helps both, not only the ACC for kind of higher competition considering you're losing non-conference, but it also helps Notre Dame because otherwise they wouldn't have much revenue coming in for this season. Yeah, they're good points. And uh, the, uh, the only other thing I wanted to, to touch on here with the ACC is the fact that, again, I mentioned they are giving their teams leeway to schedule one non-conference game. Now, they did put some stipulations around those non-conference games. The non-conference game must be in the home state of the ACC team, and the team that they're competing against must follow the same ACC guidelines and procedures regarding testing and protocols and isolating and all that stuff. So the game doesn't necessarily have to be at an ACC team's home stadium, but if they're going to play an away game, it's got to be playing a team that's also located in their home state. So that right there, the, the Western Michigan-Syracuse game is off the table 100% because Syracuse isn't going to be traveling to Michigan to play the Broncos. However, it'll be interesting to see if Miami and Pitt stays scheduled or if Ohio, BC, Akron, Clemson stays scheduled. I would imagine that Clemson will probably want to use their one non-conference game to play South Carolina just because it's such a big rivalry. But those other two, Ohio at BC and Miami at Pitt, it might, it'll be interesting to see if uh, either of those ACC teams opt to keep our, our MAC teams on the schedule there. So hopefully we have an update for that uh, on you here within the next week or so. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Another similar story uh, is developing right now that the SEC, it looks like the SEC is going to be doing the same thing uh, and announcing a conference-only model. So they haven't announced this just yet. We're recording uh, early afternoon on Thursday. It does appear, though, based on uh, some things on Twitter and ESPN and other stuff, it does look like that announcement is imminent coming from the SEC. It looks like they're going to do a a 10-game conference-only schedule. The ADs apparently met yesterday afternoon and approved this, and so they're, they're waiting for some final approval, I guess, from the presidents there. That'll affect four more games for the MAC, two each for Kent State and Eastern Michigan. Uh, Kent State was set to go on back-to-back weeks to visit Kentucky on September 19th and Alabama on September 26th. And then Eastern Michigan also scheduled to uh, face Kentucky and Lexington and then later in the year going down to Columbia to take on Missouri. So another, you know, kind of disheartening news here, Sam, Couple, you know, especially for Kent State and Eastern Michigan, both of them losing two non-conference games here. And when you, and the one thing I'm disappointed from from this is Kent State at Alabama. I I would just love, I would have loved to see Dustin Crum play against the Alabama defense. It would have been fun, even if Kent State lost. Which I mean, like I I, I would honestly think they would have. But Eastern Michigan, those are two tough losses. When you think of what you think of Eastern Michigan, the upsets to the years like Illinois, you think of the, the Michigan, I believe they did quite a few years ago. It's, it's tough to recover that when you lose both Kentucky and Missouri. Kent State specifically, I feel bad for Kent State because anytime you get a chance to play Bama, your, your likelihood of winning that game is very low. But the exposure you get just from playing a, a brand name, you know, a blue blood like Alabama – a lot of people would have their eyeballs on Kent State that day that otherwise wouldn't. And that would have been a great platform for Dustin Crum, just like you mentioned, Sam. The other thing about these Kentucky games is that Kentucky, you know, they had a good year last year and, and they've kind of risen to become a kind of a middle tier SEC program. But they're still they're not on that level of Alabama or Auburn or Georgia or Florida or some of those other schools. I say all of that to say is that. Kentucky for both of these teams, especially Kent State, I think would be a a somewhat winnable game. I think Mm -hmm. that with all the talent that Kent State specifically has on their roster, I would not be surprised at all if they went down to Lexington uh, on September 19th and could have knocked off the Wildcats or at the very least given them a really good game. Mm -hmm. And that's why this is so sad because we don't get to do our trap game segment that Mm -hmm. we had originally planned. I mean, it's it's sad to see. We we love watching these buy-in games, but it looks like there's going to be no buy-in games for this season. Yeah, it does. It does appear that way. I saw another article that it looks like the Big Twelve is going to wait till next week to make their official announcement on whether or not they're going uh, conference only. It does seem to be that the direction that everything is headed, though, and I think once they make that announcement it'll have been you know all of the power fives have kind of made their decision and i think the 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 group of five teams obviously including the mac will 
kind of make their decision uh, at that point. Speaking of the Big 12 and the MAC, some other scheduling news that, that came out this week that affects your school, Sam. So Ball State last week, whenever the Big 10 announced they were going conference only, Ball State lost two games there with uh, Indiana and Michigan. They were scheduled to open the season with the Maine Black Bears, who were scheduled to come visit Muncie on September 5th. Maine has opted out of that game. So Ball State lost three non-conference games, but there was some cool news that came out the other day with them replacing one of those, Sam. Yeah, Ball State, if you haven't heard, added Iowa State to their 2020 football schedule. It'll be Ball State traveling to Ames, Iowa to play, I believe, in September their I believe it will be their home or not home opener, but uh, season opener. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it does look like that, especially, you know, unless pending, if they're able to replace that main game, it does look like um, this will be the season opener for the Cardinals. So as a, as a ball state guy, Sam, I mean, what what are your thoughts on that game? I, I think certainly Iowa state has gotten better over the last few years. I know you're a big fan of their quarterback, but I also think, this is another one of those games where I would, you know, I would kind of compare Iowa State to Kentucky, where, you know, they're a good team, not quite an elite team or a great team. I think with all the talent that Ball State has coming back on both sides of the ball that we've talked a lot about, I mean, I think the Cardinals could go in there and, and have a chance to give the Cyclones a really good game. Yeah, I mean, I was excited to play both Michigan and Iowa or Indiana this season. Didn't end up happening. Iowa State's not a bad replacement, a solid Big 12 contender. Hopefully, we can still play this game if the Big 12 doesn't decide to go to conference only. But I'm really excited. I read an article where it said the athletic director was, even after adding Iowa State, are looking for more people. So we may get another possible uh, Power 5 uh, school involved as well. It, it's for uh, how bad this like kind of news has gone for us and like us in the MAC. this is something to look forward to. Yeah, I agree. And I got to commend the uh, the leadership of, of the athletic department there at Ball State to really be proactive here. You know, a lot of these, you know, Ball State's not the only team that has had to replace games on their schedule, but they're the first team I've seen that's been able to replace a game with a power five opponent. You know, we've seen in a couple other MAC teams that have added some FCS schools to fill some gaps, but I think this was a great um a great job by the athletic administration at Ball State to, to pick up a good game here. They've met once before Iowa State and Ball State way back in 1998. Iowa State won that one 38 to nothing. Iowa State uh, coming off a seven and six record last year. Uh, they were seven and five in the regular season and then got boat raced by Notre Dame <laughs> in the Camping World Bowl 33 to nine. Former MAC coach on the mm -hmm. sidelines there for the Cyclones, Matt Campbell. Uh, Campbell was two and two uh, during his tenure at Toledo against Ball State. So it'll be interesting to see, Sam. I know uh, as, a, as a Ball State guy, as a Ball State yep. student, I know that this news really excited you. I, hopefully this game uh, ends up getting played. I got my fingers crossed and I'm knocking <laughs> yeah. on wood. Drew Plitt and, and Caleb Huntley and Justin Hall and those guys, I think they can go in there and compete with the Cyclones. Yeah, I think so too. And another thing, when you win a uh, little bit throwback to our ACC segment, considering Ball State is in the state of Indiana along with Notre Dame, we already played Notre Dame, I believe, two years oh, ago. So that's, that's just a possible name to throw out there. I'm not, I, I tweeted out at the Notre Dame football earlier trying to <laughs> <laughs> see, but I don't, I don't think it'll happen, but it's just a curious, like, hypothetical if yeah. we can play Notre Dame. Yeah, for sure. And I actually hadn't even thought about that, but that's a great point. I think if, if Ball State could somehow work that out uh, to replace both of their bye games with two new bye games with Power 5 teams, that would be a heck of an accomplishment for the athletic department. So as I keep saying, guys, you know, these stories are going to continue to develop. Uh, we'll obviously have updates for you each week whenever we talk to you. But as of now, ACC and SEC looks like they're going conference only with the ACC adding one non-conference game. Next week when we uh, talk to you guys, I'm sure we'll have some news from the Big 12 as well. Ball State, though, a great job there being proactive and, and replacing one of their bye games. Moving into some uh, other news, we wanted to do a quick kind of recruiting recap for you here. The season's fast approaching. Coaching staffs have been hard at work in assembling the classes of 2021 for each school. So we wanted to just kind of give you a, a quick breakdown here. Uh, no, you know, no practice or anything going on, but they've been busy, you know, recruiting and, and building the class of 2021 for each of these MAC schools. 
So um, we wanted to just kind of give you a quick breakdown of where we're at. And, and we had some recent news with, with Ball State, who, who recently picked up a few commits. Uh, Sam, what were your thoughts on that? Oh, I've been loving this month with Ball State recruiting. And football, I'm going to start off with football because we got multiple sports to recover. We got Khalil Kelly, a solid three-star dual threat out of Florida. We got Bob Pemberton, also a solid three-star. We've got Jordan Marshall, a linebacker, and Jackson Weigold. Now, my, my reaction is simple, amazing. Cleo Kelly and Val Pemberton are the third and fourth highest in since 24-7 uh, sports has been around. Excellent pickups will wow. definitely improve once um, Drew Plitt and Caleb Huntley leave. I'm expecting big things for the Ball State future. Now, looking to basketball, we recently picked up a guy out of Winchester, Indiana, 6'7", 235 center named Peyton Sparks. Now, we lost Tajay Teague recently. We need a big guy, big presence down low. We filled it with Peyton Sparks moving forward. He's not the tallest, 6'7", not the tallest, not what you want in a center, but he's 235, is a massive dude, can dunk the ball. I watched a little bit of his highlights. Should be a solid pickup for Ball State. And not only that, we got a, a uh, switch to the um, diamond so we've got one, uh, a Caden Gothrop, who recently uh, committed to Ball State. And then we've got Grant Miller. So not only have we got it done on the football side of the ball for 2021, we've got it done in basketball and a, uh, base, a two baseball commits. So it's looking good for Ball State moving forward. Yeah, when I saw the, the Kyle Kelly news come across that one really surprised me to to be able to go down to florida and get a three-star quarterback from florida to come up to ball state i think is a, a huge get for the cardinals i mean i can't imagine that you know florida is a stronghold for ball state in recruiting so to be able to go down there and pull him out of tampa when i mean you have south florida's right there central florida fau fiu not to mention the the the, the bigger florida school you're you know florida florida state miami i mean there's so many schools in florida and in the southeast to get a guy that's highly regarded as a three-star recruit uh, to come up to, to Muncie and, and join the program with the Cardinals, I think is a huge get uh, for Coach New. Did I did I hear you correctly? Did you say Kelly and Pemberton are the are two highest rated recruits Ball State has had since 24-7 started ranking recruits? It's actually Rico Barfield. That's my bad. He's a oh, okay. three-star. But Val Pemberton is also a uh, running back. He does not he does not have any stars. But still, uh, he, uh, Cleo Kelly and Rico Barfield – uh, third and fourth highest uh, Ball State recruits have got. That's a, that's really impressive, and and it's going to be interesting to see. I think Mike New needs to win some games this year, but you know if he does that, it'll be interesting to see how how this recruiting class is able to help Ball State moving forward. Breaking down the recruiting rankings right now, talking about football specifically, you know, as obviously there's a lot of time left before the class of 2021 is finalized. But if you look at the recruiting rankings, just based on the, the, the averages and the ratings and the amount of commits, you got Toledo at the top of the list where we've talked a lot over the last few weeks about Jason Campbell and how good of a recruiter he is. It looks like he's well on his way to, uh, you know, another strong class there for the Rockets. Miami, Buffalo, Western Michigan, and Northern Illinois round out the top five. Those are some of the, the, the bigger, more fully formed classes. Toledo and Miami both have 18 commits right now. Buffalo and Western Michigan, both with 16, and Northern Illinois with 15. I thought something that I found interesting when I was looking at the 24-7 rankings, though, is that, you know, Toledo, Miami, Buffalo, those, those schools, you know, the schools at the top are at the top of the rankings for 24-7 right now just because of the volume of, of commits that they have. Their classes are much larger than some of their counterparts. However, if you're looking at the average rating of each recruit in each class, it actually, the rankings change a little bit. So Ohio actually tops the list when you look at the average rating of each recruit. So Ohio only has two, uh, five commits right now, but they're an average of like 82, almost 83 on 24 seven. And then Buffalo was um, at 82.72, Toledo at 82.63. And then actually fourth Coming in is uh, Bowling Green with uh, 82.2. So Scott Luffler looking to change things there for the Falcons. Uh, it'll be curious to see how these classes kind of develop here over, over the last couple of months. And we've never talked much about recruiting here, Sam. Are you a big guy? Are you a recruiting guy? Do you follow this? 
Um, I'm more of a Ball State recruiting guy just because of the yeah. obvious. But, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fat, uh, believer in recruiting is what helps you build a solid program. And when you look at this list, I mean, I, I really like what Buffalo's done. Lance Leopold, not only having a tremendous few past seasons, he's building on that, getting the recruits involved. I mean, what can you say? And then what disappoints me is Akron. After coming in 0-12, you need to start building some wins after your first season with Tom Arth. And they only got 12, eight total commits for 21-21. That, that just doesn't make me feel good moving forward for the Akron program. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think when you look at the recruiting for a MAC team, I, it, it seems to me, just looking at it historically over the last few years, it seems to me that the, the kind of the ceiling with, you know, obviously there can be exceptions, but it seems like the ceiling to me for most MAC teams is like, you're looking at three-star recruits. Like the three-star yeah. recruits are the guys, you know, that are going to come to your school and help change that program. And to build on what you were saying about Akron, uh, they have eight commits right now, and only one of them is even a three-star. They got a bunch of guys, one- and two-star recruits there. So I agree with you. I think Akron does, you know, they, they've fallen pretty far pretty fast. Just, you know, three years ago, they were in the MAC championship game and went to a bowl game. They lost to Florida Atlantic back when Lane Kiffin was still there. But still, I mean, they, they were in the MAC title game. They won the Eastern Division. That was just three years ago. And now here we are where they've fallen so far so fast. They have a beautiful stadium that's only about 10 years old. I mean, you think with the facilities that they have and also being in Northeast Ohio, which is such a rich region for high school football, you'd think that they'd be able to recruit a little bit better. So it'll be interesting to see how the, these classes develop over the next uh, next couple of months as the season gets started. Anything else you wanted to touch on uh, regarding recruiting, Sam? Uh, not really. I hope Ball State keeps on its track. I know we're in the top three for a fellow three-star with both Iowa and Iowa State. So hopefully he decides to come to Muncie. It'll be a real shock if he does. But maybe with this kind of rebuilding with Khalil Kelly and um, oh, Rico Barfield. I keep forgetting mm. his name for some reason. Another solid guy. Hopefully he he decides to make his decision to come to Muncie. Yeah, that's the other thing I noticed is that you look at the targets of these schools and a lot of the MAC schools are recruiting all the same guys. So you see a lot of recruiting battles where, you know, you'll have a three-star guy from somewhere in Ohio that has like offers from five different MAC schools. It's pretty cool to watch those recruiting battles. Anyway, moving on, guys. So I'm sure – you guys have heard by now our uh, Central Michigan Mount Rushmore that we did last week. We were joined by the Hustle Belt Creative Director, James Jimenez, uh, who is a Central Michigan alum, and he helped us kind of navigate the history of Chippewa athletics. Sam and I each picked our own Mount Rushmore, and James then picked his. We appreciate everyone that listened to that segment. We hope you enjoyed that segment, and we're going to be releasing another one of those uh, on Monday. Uh, we're going to be Sam Ito this coming week. Just a quick recap here for, for the fans. So we each picked our own. Mm -hmm. And let me pull them back up here. So you ended up, you went with, uh, you had a strong, a strong five. You went with Dan Lefevre, uh, basketball player Melvin McLaughlin, uh, fellow basketball player Chris Kamen, and then uh, Cooper Rush, former quarterback, and Richie Brinker as well. Um, I went with former Chippewa basketball great and Phoenix Suns legend Dan Marley, uh, Ray Bentley, the legend, legendary linebacker for the Chippewas, who you can now find calling games on ESPN. Uh, Antonio Brown, who needs no introduction. Mm -hmm. Stu Guevara, uh, women's basketball coach. And then Casey Cunningham, who is a, a former national champion on the wrestling mat for the Chippewas. And then um, our, uh, our guest, James, he went with longtime football coach, Herb Duromini, uh, Margo Jonker, former basketball coach, uh, Joe Staley, offensive lineman, Dan Roundfield, another basketball player, and then Roy Kramer as well. So I thought that was a really cool segment. I thought, I don't know about you, Sam, but I think we all had pretty strong groups that we picked there. Yeah, and I from the, from the few people we've heard that reached out, they said they enjoyed it. So we'll definitely look to continue. If you have any feedback, let us know at Mac underscore bandwagon at all. Any little adjustments you want us to make anything at all, don't be afraid to reach out. Definitely, definitely. And 
Um, we did, as Sam said, we, we definitely got some responses on Twitter. We appreciate the interaction, guys. So please follow us, interact with us on there at Mac underscore bandwagon. To get to some of the, the responses we had on Twitter, um, our guy, S Maniacal, you've been, you've been responding to us every week, man. So we appreciate that. We hope you're saying that we're saying your, your handle right here. But so anyway, he, he responded and said that Lefevre had all the tools. I remember watching him play and thinking that he could make all of the throws. Uh, he thought he could make it in the NFL, just didn't pan out. I think, I mean, Lefevre though, I think is a guy that you got to include in this list. I mean, we, we listed off, you know, you guys can go back and listen to the central Michigan Mount Rushmore podcast. I mean, you listen, we listed off the, the amount of, not only school records that he has, but Mac records, even a couple NCAA records. He did have a ton of weapons on that team. You know, you could throw to Antonio Brown and, and, you know, there were, there's no doubt that the rosters on those teams were loaded, but I mean, Lefevre, you go back and watch his highlights tapes and he, he was electric. Yeah. And when you think of Cooper Rush, like everybody loves Cooper Rush, he's second to Lefevre. So that just proves how great Lefevre is. Yes. Lefevre he had Antonio Brown, correct, if I rem remember correctly? That's right. Yeah, they were on the same team. But even with Antonio Brown, you, he still has to get the ball to Antonio Brown. He still has to lead the team to victories. He still has to do all the things. So I think he definitely deserves to be on the list. I don't know whether he was going for a positive or negative review because he yeah. had all the tools around him. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming negative, but I could be wrong there. Let us know on Twitter. Yeah, but I think I think he deserves to be on the list, and that's why I drafted him. Uh, Rocket Ryan B responded to us, and and you guys will be introduced to Rocket Ryan on Monday. He was actually uh, a, he's a Toledo alum who who joined us to help with the Toledo Mount Rushmore segment. But he responded. He he gave us uh, Antonio Brown, Herb Duramity, uh, Dan Marley, and Curtis Adams. So Curtis Adams was not somebody that any of us had selected. Uh, during our segment with James. However, you look him up on Central Michigan's website and he, he's got a good case. I think Rocket Ryan came with a good suggestion here. He was a running back for Central Michigan from 1981 to 1984. He was the MAC Offensive Player of the Year in 1982. Uh, he was chosen all MAC for the uh, first team for three straight years, his sophomore through his senior season. 4,100. 26 career rushing yards, which is third all-time in the conference, uh, scored a Mac, rush, uh, Mac record, excuse me, 44 touchdowns, and had three straight 1,000-yard seasons in his final three seasons on campus. Uh, I, that's quite a resume, and, and he even went on to play five years in the NFL after getting drafted by the Chargers. So I think this might be a, be a guy, uh, Sam, that, that we kind of overlooked, and I think Rocket Ryan makes a good point. I think Curtis Adams has a good argument to be included in this conversation. Yeah, he definitely can be an honorable mention. We overlooked him. I mean, his stats say it for himself. 4,000 yards, 44 total touchdowns, third in the MAC all-time. I mean, what more can you say from that? Only five seasons in the NFL, but, I mean, that's more than you could say for a lot of people. Second team All-American, considering the fact that not a lot of MAC players get involved in the All-American school, that's definitely a great mention right there. Yeah, definitely. At 1974, fired up. There's a guy. He's definitely a Central Michigan fire up mm -hmm. chips there. This guy, he, he, he gave us, you know, he agreed with us pretty much. Lefevre, Antonio Brown, Joe Staley, Dan Marley, all guys that we mentioned. I think Joe Staley might be a name, you know, if, if you're not like a hardcore, hardcore mm -hmm. football fan, you, you might not know him only because he is an offensive lineman and for better or for worse, they don't get quite as much recognition as the skill guys, but that's a guy, Joe Staley, that, I mean, he has been, he's had an incredible NFL career. I mean, no doubt. I, I compared him in the episode you can go listen to basically the Joe Thomas before the 49ers. He's just been so just, he's, he's basically been the rock for the 49ers each season. You just expect him to be there. Now it's sad that he's retired, but the rest of the names on the list, Dan Marley, an excellent pick. I mean, what can you say? He did electric things in the NBA. Antonio Brown, I mean, we, we all know who Antonio Brown is. Dan Lefevre, we already talked about. So that's a solid list. I think I probably would have picked all these names if, like, we didn't do a draft order. But, yeah, I think those are some solid picks. Looking at – we had one more response from Grant CMU 2018. He gave us four as well. He went with Chris Fowler – Dan Lefevre, Tyler Conklin, and Corey Willis. 
I got to say, I think there might be a little bit of recency bias in this one here. I also have to admit, when he said Chris Fowler, I thought he was talking about college game day Chris Fowler that is on ESPN every Saturday. And I was like, oh, my God, I had no idea he went to Central Michigan. Looked him up. He didn't go to Central Michigan. There's a different Chris Fowler that went to Central Michigan who was uh, he played on the basketball team from uh, 2015 to 2018. He's the all-time assist leader at Central Michigan with 686, three-time first-team All-Mac. He's third all-time in steals at Central Michigan with 185 and fifth all-time in points. He's the only player in Central Michigan's history to have all four of their season assist totals ranked in the program's top 10. So certainly a decorated career for Chris Fowler there. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, there's definitely some, some good things there. I, I don't know that I, he, to me, really rises to the level of being on a Mount Rushmore, though. Certainly a great within the men's basketball program, but I don't know about an overall great if you're talking about the history of Central Michigan athletics. Um, what, what do you think about that one, Sam? I mean, I think I think he he has a chance to be named just because he's the all-time assist leader, all-time leader in free throws made, third-time all in steals, fifth in points, uh, 2016 first-team All-Mac. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if he rises to the occasion because it looks like he had a couple, uh, only two solid seasons for Central Michigan. Yeah, only two solid seasons. Yeah. If he had a third, possibly a fourth, I would definitely include him. But two seasons on its own, I don't know if it rises to the level, like you said, of a Mount Rushmore. But yeah, I agree with you. And I think I feel similarly about the, the last two guys that, that Grant gave us with Tyler Conklin and, and Corey Willis. You look up their stats. I mean, they both, you know, they certainly had their moments with Central Michigan, you know, with uh, when it comes to Tyler Conklin. I mean, he had 83 career receptions for 1,159 yards and, and 11 touchdowns. You look at uh, Corey Willis, he, he definitely had a little bit more of an impact. He caught 72 passes for 1,091 yards in his junior year. His total, you know, overall, though, he had 161 catches for 2,394 yards and 23 touchdowns. Again, certainly good numbers, and, and I can see, you know, why he would be included, especially for someone – you know, based on, on the 2018 in Grant's Twitter handle, I'm going to assume he had graduated from Central Michigan in 2018 and probably got to watch both of these guys for four years. Both have gone on. I know Tyler Conklin is on the roster of the Vikings right now. And Corey Willis, I don't think he ever made it uh, to the NFL. But either way, I think these are two guys that were absolutely, you know, solid, solid players for the Central Michigan football program. I don't know that they rise to that level again, though, of being like all-time greats. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Tyler Conklin, he he had a solid career. I mean, no one's going to knock you for having over 1,000 receiving yards, yeah. double-digit touchdowns in your career. But I think I agree with you. No knock to um, fire a Grant CMU, but – I, I just don't think it rises to level. Now, uh, you can have your opinion and whatnot, but I just don't think it would rise to the level of like a Cooper Rush or Dan Lefevre. Yeah, I agree with you. And honestly, guys, if you do disagree with that, if you do disagree with us, let us know on Twitter. Tweet at yeah. us and, and talk to us, and you know we'll, we'll shout you out on the show here. We want to hear from you guys. I think, though, you know, even after giving the, the, the reactions from the fans, I think – the one guy that we had mentioned here that none of us had considered that that probably needs to stay in this conversation. I'm going to go with, I'm going to say Curtis Adams probably yeah. is a guy who I could be talked into, including on our list. Um, but I think we, you know, definitely some, some good points from the rest of our fans as well. Again, guys, we thank you for the responses on Twitter. We appreciate all the interaction. Our content, the things that we put out are, are driven by you. We want to know what you guys think and, and what you guys like. So keep an eye out. Um, the, our second installment of the Mount Rushmore of the, Rap, the Mac segment is going to be coming out on, uh, on Monday. We're going to be joined by uh, Rocket Ryan, who we mentioned uh, is a Toledo alum. He's going to be helping us to pick Mount Rushmore for the Rockets. Anything else you wanted to cover when it comes to our uh, Mount Rushmore recap, Sam? Uh, just to remind the fans that these lists are just totally like our opinions. There's definitely, it's definitely flexible. So we could have had a, um, a Curtis Adams, but we went with our list. I feel confident in all our lists. You can disagree with us on Twitter and yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up. 
And for our next segment, I'm pretty excited for our next segment. Yeah, so am I. We guys, we have a, a special guest on our next segment here. We're jo- going to be joined by Lucas Barrow, who is a uh, Ball State commit in the class of 2020. The thing that makes him a little bit unique is he's a pun- he's an Australian punter, currently stuck over there in Australia because of visa issues, which is unfortunate. But we're going to touch base with him here in a few minutes. We think you guys will really, really enjoy that episode. So stick around for that segment. Hey everyone, James here. I wanted to hop on at the end of this podcast and let you folks know that Hustle Belt and Homefield Apparel have partnered up with our first two offerings out right now. Homefield is an independent clothier focused on community, comfort, and care. And their selection of college merchandise is some of the best around, with new schools and designs unveiled weekly. If you go to homefieldapparel.com and use code HUSTLE, you can save 20% off your entire first purchase. Pretty good, right? Help support the best little Maxion blog on the internet by going to homefieldapparel.com and using checkout code HUSTLE. Thank you for your consideration, and thanks for listening to the podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Here's the Max Van Wagon Podcast. Uh, for our next segment here, we have a very special guest joining us uh, today from the other side of the world, 14 hours ahead of us here in the Eastern Time Zone. We have Ball State punting recruit, class of 2020, Lucas Barrow. Lucas, appreciate you taking some time to speak with us today. How you doing, man? Good, thanks, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. Yeah, man, we're good. We're good. Uh, it's uh, awesome to talk to you here. It's uh, the, the, the beauty of technology. We can talk to you while you're on the other side of the world. So why don't you, I guess, for our audience, why don't you just tell them a little bit about your background? So obviously you um, grew up in Australia playing Aussie rules football. And um, just tell, tell our, our audience a little bit about your journey and how you ended up getting recruited to, to punt for Ball State. Yeah, for sure. So um, obviously it's a little bit different um, compared to the American punters. Um, but, yeah, so I grew up all my life um, playing Australian rules football, which is um, just like a hybrid game between rugby league, pretty much any, any contact sport that you can think of, really. Um, but the way we pass the ball is you actually have to kick it to your teammates. So um, you'll, you'll kick it 50 times a game, oh, 30, 30 times a game, maybe. Um, and all, all your practice and training is just you'll be kicking um, the ball all, all training session. Um, so that's, that's pretty much how we grew up passing the ball instead of throwing it. Um, so yeah, I, I was playing Australian rules football until I was, uh, about 16 or 17. Um, a couple of injuries probably held me back a little bit. Um, and then I actually saw, saw on social media, a couple of the boys over at, over in America, um, punting, um, which is Mitch Crawford, um, who's now plays at Michigan state. Um, so he, he was from the same city as me. So I got in contact with him and asked him about it. And he said, um, yeah, there's this program down in Melbourne in Australia. Um, what, that, what they pretty much do is, is transfer Australian rules football players to um, become punters in America. Um, so the coaches there, Nathan Chapman and John Smith. Um, Chappie, he's, he's been through, through the ranks over there in American football. He had a preseason with Green Bay. Um, and he's sent over a bunch of guys over to different colleges now. Um, so yeah, so I, I headed down to Melbourne, um, a few months, a few months later after my assessment with him, um, got to work with him for six to 12 months, um, and then ended up, ended up getting an offer from Ball State, which is awesome. Okay. So I just wanted to ask, so like what made you want to, so you saw the guy play, um, American football for Michigan State. So like, did you just like kind of not want to do uh, Aussie rules football or was, did you just want to come over to America and play football essentially? Yeah, obviously the, the opportunity, cause uh, I wasn't studying at the time. I, I just finished my high school. So um, I hadn't started university yet. And then when I found out that you can get, you can get, deg- get your degree over there while, while playing American football um, and the opportunity to go to an American college is, is something that um, really excites me. Um, and yeah, that that'll be an awesome experience. And I don't think too many too many Australian people at my age can say that they've done that. So <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, cool, man. Um, 
so th there's been a trend here just probably over the last, you know, five to 10 years where it seems like there have been a ton of Australian punters that, that have come over and had a lot of success, obviously in college, but also some guys that have made it to the NFL and, and, and punted in the NFL as well. You know, you talked a little bit about the training and how important it is, you know, uh, you know, kicking the ball to pass it to your teammates in Australian rules football. I mean, what is it you think that translates so well that, that makes you guys so adept at making the transition into the American style of football? Yeah, I think something that's um, really picked up recently is the Australian um, style of kicking. So uh, we call it a drop punt or the rugby kick that you guys, you guys refer it to, um, which is just like a rollout um, type of kick. Um, which I think is definitely um, picking up in the college game at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd say just that control over the ball really helps. Um, obviously, growing up, um, you have to kind of, in Australian rules, um, you're kicking it so much that you, ha you have to kick it at different angles, at, like target with your accuracy as well. So um, I think that really helps. So uh, so yeah. as so you're, you're going to become a D1 punter, and I, I've slowly tried to kind of get into like special teams and kind of like appreciating more. What do you think is the difference between a guy who's a good punter and elite punter? Like we've, there's several college punters, but what, what's kind of the difference in the technique, if you want to put it between a good punter, who's a high school football, uh, high school punter, or, and then a guy who kind of takes it to the next level to the NFL. Yeah, obviously, um, your leg strength is obviously something that, that definitely can always be improved um, through obviously through high school, through to college and then the NFL, but um, that can always be improved. But then again, your accuracy as well. Um, and then once, once everybody can hit a good ball on their good day, um, but it comes down to consistency. If you can hit that on a consistent, regular basis, then um, that will definitely help. And you see guys like, Cam Johnson and Michael Dixon in the NFL now that they're just so consistent. But so, so Lucas, you, you told us that a, a little bit about your journey, how, you know, you, you um, went down to, to pro kick Australia and Melbourne and, and you trained there for a year. What, um, you know, what was that, what was that process like? And, and what exactly, I mean, what all happens there at pro kick Melbourne? I mean, is it, is it a, were you take, were you like training there and also taking classes toward, you know, some type of like high school or anything like that? Or was it strictly training for football the whole time? Yeah. So it's, it's pretty much just training the whole time. We do, we do do theory sessions because obviously we, we don't know that much about the game, not growing up without it. Um, but yeah, so we do theory sessions um, with John Smith and Nathan Chapman, but um, yeah, we're, we're on, the, on the field three or four times a, a week um, kicking for two, three hours um, so we're just getting reps and reps and reps in, um, which is really cool. Um, and then we've also got um, our strength and conditioning coaches down there, Dave Tuanavai, Conquest Athletic Performance in Melbourne. Um, so he he um, he takes care of our strength and conditioning side of it um, to get us ready. But um, yeah, in regards to punting, it's it's basically just full it's full time training. Um, that's why well, guys have to move in a state to do it. So. Um, yeah, there's, there'd be probably 30 of us now down there, um, 30 to 40 of us, um, all trying to get a scholarship over in America. So. so so, since you're coming from a new country, coming to the U.S. eventually, are you all a, are you at all worried about the transition to the U.S. because you're going to be in a new country, not really know a bunch of people, and it's just going to be a new situation for you? No, I, I, no I'm not worried. Um, no, I'm a bit more excited, to be honest. Um, obviously, I, I went on my visit in February, and they – that really made me feel like I'm at home. So um, that was really exciting and can't wait to get started over there. So um, no, I, I wouldn't say, wouldn't say worried at all. Um, more excited. Awesome, man. So what, tell us a little bit about, I, I can imagine that the recruiting process for you uh, being in Australia was a little bit different than it might've been for someone that, you know, here in the States. So can, can you tell us a little bit about what the recruiting process was like for you? How, how did you initially hear about Ball State and, you know, what was it that, that sold you on, uh, on Ball State and to, to commit to Coach New and the, and the Cardinals? Yeah, so um, I actually remember the, remember the phone call that I got um, to my coach, um, John Smith here. Um, he called me. I, I was actually at work because I was working at a bowling alley. Um, got, a, got a phone call from him. And um, he said, tomorrow you're going to be on a FaceTime with, with the coaches at Ball State. And... Um, so that night I was just researching everything, looking up everything about it. <laughs> um, and the next, the next morning I um, got to training in a 
had a had a workout over FaceTime um, with Coach Doherty and Coach New. So um, I did about half an hour workout with them, um, and then a couple of weeks later, I ended up getting getting a phone call from Coach Doherty and getting the offer. So that, that was an amazing. I'll, I'll never forget that. <laughs> so I was just kind of curious about. So does so how popular is American sports? I, like so is like basketball popular over there? Is like American football popular over there? Like like how did you get introduced into it? Yeah, so I I'd never really watched too much American football. Uh, I went to um, me and my brother went to one game. Um, it was Hawaii versus California. They did like a bit of an, uh, a, a game over in Australia a couple of years ago. Um, so that was my first game I ever really saw, to be honest. Um, never really watched too much of it. Um, American football isn't that popular over here. Um, it's, it is slowly growing, um, especially down here in Melbourne. But um, with, with obviously the Australian guys going over, it's getting, getting a bit more exposure. But um, yeah, in terms of other American sports, basketball is quite big still um, over here. Not, not as big as it is over in America, but it is big. But the main sports are probably rugby league and Australian football. So with, uh, with, with the pandemic has been going on the last, you know, the last four months and sports in America have, have been shut down here. They started the show over the last month or so. They've started the show like um, AFL games here on, on like Fox sports and Fox sports one. So I'm <laughs> curious, I just, uh, for my own curiosity, I got to know who your, uh, AFL team is that you support and and if we were looking to adopt an AFL team to help get us through this pandemic until American football is back who, who should be our team uh, de- definitely the Sydney Swans okay um, they're, they're the red and white team they're up from up from where I'm from so I'm from Newcastle which is about two hours north of those guys so um, yeah I know a few of the guys that play for them so um, I've been a Sydney Swans supporter my whole life and nothing will ever change. <laughs> <laughs> I respect it. That's so, awesome. So you mentioned your transition from the um, from Aussie rules to the NFL. Do you think it could work both ways to where people who play in the NFL could make that transition as seamlessly as kind of Australian guys have made to the NFL? Or do you think it's kind of like different in a sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, with the athletic background of some of the American football guys, that, that would definitely be able to, be able to come over and um, play, play Australian rules. Um, it would be very interesting. There, there hasn't been too many guys do it. Um, but, yeah, it would be awesome to see. Um, mate, there's Mason Cox that plays for Collingwood Magpies. He, he was from America. So um, he, he, um, he's come over. He's a staff of the game now as well. Um, but, yeah, there hasn't been too many, too many Americans come do it. But, yeah, it would be awesome to see. Yeah, it's like even just watching it here on TV when it's on sometimes, you know, it's like it's such a like I'm I'm surprised it has never caught on more here just because it's such like a fast paced physical game. I mean, it's like it's like American football without all the stoppages of play. That's like it's like a really I don't know. I've I've just I've I've really enjoyed watching it. Um, What so. You mentioned I, – I, I, I can you – know, just from watching it on TV, I mean, it, it's like as physical as American football just without the pads and stuff. So I can imagine yeah. – like I know you said you had some injury troubles growing up playing the game. I mean, was that – I'm sure there's been some bro- broken bones and stuff you got through the years playing uh, – growing up yeah. playing AFL. Yeah, that was, that was probably my major injury um, 2016 or towards the end of 2016. Um, I actually snapped my arms in a tackle, so uh-huh. – um, Broke, broke both bone, both bones there. I had a few surgeries for that, um, which really set me back going into like, like the senior age group. Um, but um, yeah, there are a lot of injuries. There's a lot of, lot of hamstrings, a lot of, lot of knee injuries. Um, but yeah, it's something that you've got to do if you're going to play. So <laughs> yeah, that's why it is. <laughs> Uh, so I, I just one final question, Lucas. Nothing, nothing regarding you know football or anything like that. This is just uh, just out of my own curiosity. But like here in the states, the one thing we we hear, like I guess almost like a stereotype we hear about Australia is that like all there's all these venomous animals and poisonous and all this stuff that's gonna kill you. Like is that is that true or is it overblown? I mean, are there are there snakes on every corner? Like what's what, what what's the deal? Uh, no, it's it's definitely not as bad as it seems. Um, 
there, there are. If you go out into the end out back in the bush area, but like not not in the city areas, you, you're generally pretty safe. Um, <laughs> there's, there's definitely not snakes everywhere inside and everything. But um, once you go once you go out out of the city area, yeah, you you, you might see a few going around. So. Um, I, I can yes. I can assure you there's none in Muncie. By the way, I can I can assure <laughs> <Yeah>. you. That. <laughs> oh, that's good to hear that. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, uh, well, hey Lucas, I know you said that uh, you got some plans for the rest of the day, going to get some training in and stuff like that. So we won't keep you for you know we we'll, we'll let you get back to it. We really appreciate you taking some time to sit down and talk with us. Uh, best of luck. Well, hopefully you can uh, get get the visa situation figured out and uh, be on the ground there in Muncie pretty soon and uh hopefully we'll be able to watch you here on on saturdays in the not too uh, distant future yeah absolutely thanks for having me guys See you right, no problem there. man cheers all right guys and that's going to wrap up episode four here of the mac bandwagon podcast we can't thank you enough for joining us again and listening in we can't thank enough uh, Lucas Barrow for him uh, taking some time out to speak with us from the other side of the world, down under. We appreciate him and, and we hope to have him back on the show again someday. Sam, any final thoughts for our, uh, our fine followers out there? Um, nope. Hope you guys like the interview. Hope you guys like the Mac uh, bandwagon Mount Rushmore that comes out on Monday. And then I think, I think for next episode, we have another exciting guest for you. We've got Ethan Dolan. Talk, talk, coming to coming on the podcast to talk to us a little bit about esports. Definitely, definitely going to be some cool stuff there too. Looking forward to next week. We appreciate you guys taking the ride with us. Uh, I am Zach Follador. He is Sam Filman. This is the Mac Bandwagon Podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by and joining us. We'll talk to you guys soon.